welcome to episode 14 of Yins Are Good. Here we are. I am your host, Tressa Glover. Thank you so much for tuning in. This, our podcast, celebrating the good stuff. We are sharing your stories about times when someone made your life better. Celebrating the good stuff happening and the good people who are making it so. I hope Yins are staying well and and finding moments to laugh and to connect with others. You know, reaching out to each other, checking in. It's so important. I mean, it always is, but uh, especially during these times, right? But the, the more we connect, the more we realize we're not so alone. The more we share our stories with each other, the more we realize we're all a lot more alike than we are different. And we're all in this together. So, what's on tap for today? Uh, well, today we pay tribute to our healthcare workers. Yes. So we are incredibly grateful for all of them. We're humbled by the work that they do day in, day out. Uh, so we are celebrating and paying tribute to them today uh, on social media. Over the last couple of weeks, I had posted this asking you all to please tell us about a healthcare worker who took good care of you or one of your loved ones. And we got several responses, so I will be sharing those, of course. But please keep sending your thoughts about this uh, or about any topic we've already discussed. You know, there really, there's no deadline for submissions, so to speak. <laughs> you know, think of it as a rolling submission situation, if you want to. You know, if you hear someone's story or someone's post of gratitude in an episode and it reminds you, oh my gosh, you know, it reminds you of something, let me know. You know, and you know how to do it. Leave leave us a voicemail, one 399 good Send an email, yinsaregood at gmail.com. Or of course, follow us on Facebook. Instagram, you know, at any time, share any of this. Um, so again, there's no, just because today is, you know, paying tribute to healthcare workers, first of all, doesn't mean it's the only time we'll ever do it. <laughs> um, but it also means, yes, I will read any of your stories and any of your thoughts whenever you send them. So these episodes can serve as inspiration for you as well. Absolutely. Also, in this episode, there's a fabulous site uh, it's a resource for nurses and more, and it does much more than that. Uh, it's called nurse.org. And they asked their community to share their words of encouragement for their nurses. And they shared those in one big post on their site. And I'm going to share some of those with you all as well. Of course, name that neighborhood. I mean, would an episode be complete without it? So that is coming up as well. So without further ado, am I right or am I right? <laughs> Let's get to it. Let's get to the good stuff. Here we have your responses to please tell us about a healthcare worker who took good care of you or one of your loved ones. Peggy tells us, when I was in Allegheny General Hospital in April, I had a nurse named Bernard. He was the best nurse I have ever had. Kind, informative, and compassionate. 
great nurse. Connie says, I had surgery at Allegheny General Hospital in January. They were wonderful. From Earl, the Rite Aid medical staff in Mars. When we all had our COVID vaccinations, three members of my family, three different appointments and times, every med staff person was very professional, timely, outstanding. No wait time at all, basically, having appointments to begin with. We even had our second shot appointments set up the day we had our shots. Second shot in just about 18 days. Dan says, Sabrina Granito, a very kind and helpful individual who cares very deeply for her profession and gives it her all towards the health care and concern for others. Nobody will ever top Sabrina. She truly is a very special, one-of-a-kind person. Marietta tells us, my niece, Lisa Papinchak, and a big red heart after it. <laughs> Daniel says, I have a doctor. His name is Ronald Mona. Great doctor. And his nurse, Debbie, she is the best. And we had a response from Alexandra that said, thank you. And so I wrote back and said, are you in the profession? And she said, well, not anymore, but I did work for 10 years. And of course, Alexandra, you are one of our heroes. Thank you so much for helping and being there for others. And thank you all for sharing these stories of these people who touched your life, changed your life, made your day better, or your times much better after having cared for you, to Bernard, and it seems like a lot of the medical staff at Allegheny General Hospital, and the Rite Aid medical staff, and Sabrina, and Lisa, and Dr. Mona, and Debbie, and Alexandra. Thank you. Yins are real good. And I would actually like to add a note of gratitude to... Uh, Dr. Lisa Babb and her whole staff, and this would be at Babb Orthodontics in the South Hills. So, okay, when I was a teenager, I had braces forever. No, for about four and a half years. <laughs> the big old metal, can't mistake them, braces. And, and I also had the ever popular headgear. And those of you who had it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and it, oh, and uh, and if you're not familiar, if you are familiar with the movie Sixteen Candles, uh, towards the end, when Anthony Michael Hall wakes up in the back seat of the convertible, and he has his headgear in, that is exactly what I'm talking about. So I was supposed to wear it to sleep in. Now, very unwieldy device, and you have to, you really can only lay on your back can't really sleep on your side or roll at all. And I would actually wake up in the morning to find that my headgear was no longer in my mouth, but across the room. So apparently at some time in the middle of the night, I would wake up and hurl that thing across the room and have no recollection of doing so. So that part of the process didn't work so well for me. Uh, but okay, but I, yes, I have braces. Okay, yay, they come off. I have straight teeth. So as we know, though, as time goes on into adulthood, your teeth do move. Some people, they move a little bit. Some people, a lot. I would be on the a lot end of things, apparently. So here I am in my 40s and realizing that some straightening 
needs to happen. And I was really, of course, apprehensive about it. I mean, first of all, I, okay, the expense of it. So once I figure that out, um, it's also the, like, okay, I'm going to be going to an orthodontist again in my 40s. Like, what, what is happening? Um, and, and what's it going to entail? And just really not necessarily looking forward to the process. And I have to tell you, and I am not lying, from the minute I walked through their doors, I was completely at ease. I was relaxed. They were so welcoming from Jeremy, who's the first face you see when you walk in. The entire staff, and this is not a paid advertisement, by the way. I know it's beginning to sound that way, perhaps, but it's not. Um, Everybody, and I'm going to name everybody on the staff because they're all just incredible. Um, They're obviously, they know what they're doing, first of all. Highly skilled. Okay, so check that off the list. But it was more than that. It was this sense once I was meeting them and, and watching them interact with each other and communicate with each other, that it really was like a family and there was a lot of laughter, first of all, and a warmth throughout the office. And you could easily, you could feel the, the passion that they all have for the work that they're doing and for their patients. And I mean, it was so refreshing. And I met with Amy first, who is awesome, to talk about the procedure, et cetera. And then everybody, I mean, uh, Kathy, Lauren, Jordan, Jess, Chris, uh, and of course... Dr. Lisa Babb herself. But honestly, it was just um, a wonderful experience. And from that first visit, I wasn't nervous anymore. I felt listened to. I felt everything was explained to me really well. Like I knew exactly what to expect. And I realized it had been a long time since I'd had that kind of experience um, in that kind of environment. And so I am extending my gratitude to Dr. Babb and to you all there. Uh, Thank you so much for all you do and for just the good people that you are with each other and with your patients. So thank you. Yins are good. And now let's hear some of these posts from nurse.org. And this list was, and this is just a few of the many, many, many that they have on the site, all of these posts, uh, was compiled by Angelina Walker. And so again, uh, as they say on their site, it says, we asked all your friends, family, patients, coworkers, loved ones, and strangers to share their words of encouragement with us so that we can share with you, our community. So one post says, to you, the healthcare workers, but also the human beings behind the PPE. We want to encourage you to continue to tell you that you are in our thoughts, in our hearts and prayers. Like you told my 14-year-old son, Will, when he broke C4 and C5, leaving him paralyzed from the neck down. Quote, take it one day at a time. Don't look in the rearview mirror anymore, but only forward. Don't let scary thoughts win. Continue the fight and never quit end quote. Today, Will is walking, climbing stairs, and can bike over 70 miles. And so will you. You will beat the virus, the fatigue, and the discouragement because the strength and the world is within you. Big hugs, big love. Another says, 
Keep working hard. You are saving lives every day. Never give up. I believe in you. Another says, I would like to thank you for risking your lives in order to help save people's lives. I hope you stay well. And someone says, I commend everyone, the frontline healthcare workers and non-healthcare workers during this COVID-19. You all are heroes. May God bless each and every one. And someone says, thank you so much for keeping us safe. We love you and support you. Thank you so much for working so hard every day to make sure others are able to receive the care they need to be safe. You all are superheroes for working so hard every day. People all across the country understand your sacrifices. We are grateful to you, your colleagues, and families for your hard work. We are sending you strength and positive thoughts. You are our superheroes. Your many sacrifices are appreciated more than words can convey. Thank you does not seem to say what is truly needed to say what we feel, but thank you. Thank you for all that you do. The hours must be grueling and the danger palpable. Know that each day you go to work that you inspire others to do their part. My hope is that everyone will come to have a greater appreciation for those who work in the medical field and in our nation's hospitals. I know I do. And I was also thinking maybe you want to give a gift to that healthcare worker in your life. And so I compiled a mini list here out of several lists I've seen in different places, one of which being nurse.org and some other sites, um, different recommendations for things that our healthcare workers need that maybe we wouldn't necessarily think of right away. Um, so of course, in addition to PPE, uh, knee-high compression socks obviously is gonna help prevent swelling and, and pain on their long shifts. A scrub set, because apparently you can never have too many scrubs. Uh, a water bottle or a tumbler, right? Something that's going to keep the cold drinks cold and their hot drinks hot, especially coffee. Um, a good stethoscope. And also a stethoscope carrier. A foot massager, of course. <laughs> and also um, a weighted blanket, I love that. So when they do have a chance to catch some much needed Z's, <laughs> uh, they can do so a little more quickly and a little more comfortably. So those are just a few ideas, tossing them out there. Um, if you want to say an extra special thank you to someone who really has made a difference in your life. Well, you know what that little jingle means. That's right. It is time for Name That Neighborhood. Now, as you know, in our previous episode, episode 13, we had our first guest outside of Don, Tom Baker, who did fabulously four for four. And we do have someone who reached out who's lined up for our next episode, but for this one. Episode 14, making his triumphant return, is Don DiGiulio. 
Hello, John. Hi, Tressa. <laughs> when I started to say but making his return, I thought, does that sound negative? Oh, I, we're I, happy I, to no, have it, you back. I, it's, it's been so long. I, I don't even I don't even know what's what's the name of this game. How do we play? <laughs> I know. Maybe you'll have some beginner luck. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. thanks for thanks for game saying to everyone that Tom was four for four last week. Yeah, he sure was. Mm-hmm. He sure no was. Fresh. No fresh. Le- I mean, let's just get into it. Sure. Um. So first, I'll let you know that your choices of neighborhood are Shaler Township, ooh, mm. and Industry, PA. Okay. These are taken from, yes, yes, some of those who've written in and and shared their uh, stories with us. Okay. Let's get to it. Number one. During World War II, the federal government provided housing for defense laborers. One such development was built in this neighborhood, in 1940. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with Shaler Township on this one. You would be correct on this one. Look at you. Hmm. Right out of the gate. It is true. So the development was called Shaler Crest. It was a 251 unit facility. Uh, so basically... Uh, regarding these uh, housing projects in general. So the people who resided in these federal projects um, at that time either supported the war effort, so being involved in manufacturing of various armaments, ships, bombs, ammunition, you know, other goods and services for the military, or they were servicemen or women themselves. So that's who these projects were built for. And many of these projects were initiated for steel-related industry communities. Hence, Pittsburgh being selected, of course, as one of the sites for it. Hmm. Um, And as the war effort ramped up, there, of course, was an influx of workers even, you know, more needed for the steel mills. And so additional housing was needed. Right. And they had to build a residential area. As opposed to an industrial area, which is why I did not choose industry PA. Look at you. I love when we get, you know, a sneak peek, a little, or, you know, a peek into the mind. A glimpse behind how... the curtain. Yeah. It's a little scary, but also fascinating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pay no mm-hmm. attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> well done. I mean, let's keep, let's keep her moving. Mm-hmm. Shall we? All right. Number two. The Dando Brickyard, located on the eastern end of this neighborhood, supplied fire brick to steel firms, including Jones and Lachlan, a.k.a. J&L Steel. Well, that sounds industrial. Let's go with industry. Right on. Right on. You are correct. Woohoo. So, this Dando Brickyard, it was founded in 1915 by George Dando and was in operation until 1978. Mm. And, yep, they had 26 circular brick kilns and these kilns would process between 
approximately 15,000 to 18,000 bricks every eight hours. Crazy. And yeah, and they had over 100 employees to make this all happen. And some of the employees actually lived in company homes that were along Dando Hollow, which was right in back of the brickyard. They built these houses for some of the employees. Um, Now, from the early 1800s through 2006, more than 100 brickyards were in operation in Beaver County, which is where industry is. So 100 over that period of time. So why so many, you may be asking? Hey, Tressa, why so many? (laughs) Hey, Don, I'm going to tell you. Well, the, the soil in Beaver County was very rich in raw materials, including clay, sandstone, sand, gravel, and others. Uh, so, in, and in 1904, actually, it was written that, quote, nine different workable veins of clay are in this vicinity, giving suitable variety for pottery and many grades of brick for house building, public street paving, Bessemer open hearths, millwork, and every purpose for which fire bricks are used. End quote. Hmm. So a whole lot of clay there. And the Bessemer open hearths, of course, connected to the steel industry, the Bessemer converter. Um, So that's why this was really booming in that area specifically. And in 1956, Beaver County ranked first in the production of clay in all of Pennsylvania. Well, look at that. Look at that. And by 1961... 106,000 tons were mined there. Wow. Right? Actual clay, not clay Aiken. Uh, as far as I know, okay. not clay Aiken, actual clay. That is correct. So Beaver County did not produce clay Aiken. Not as far as, as we know here at Edgins are good. I wonder if anybody ever called them Dando Calrissian. <laughs> I'm going to get right on that. I'm going to look into that. That's and, jumping back uh, to the beginning of this that feels like ages ago. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it, though? Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> okay, let's go on. I've dropped three. a lot of bricks along the way. <laughs> oh, indeed. Number three. The earliest settler in this neighborhood was a Revolutionary War soldier who received payment for his services in land. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to go against the grain here because he was given land on which to reside, but I'm going to say he found that in industry. Oh, no. I didn't think you would go one, two, one, two. See, that's the thing. You don't know. Yeah. It's true. There's no specific, but we got to hear that that great sound again. The incorrect answer. Sure, so the I one thank that, you for the that. One that Tom never heard. The one that Tom never heard until now. He's listening. Um. So Shaler, okay. Now, this Revolutionary War hero was James Sample, and his tract of land that he received was near the mouth of Gertie's Run. And Gertie's Run is actually a tributary of the Allegheny River. And Mr. Sample built the first mill in the township. And it was probably, quote, the first mill north of the Allegheny River altogether. 
So he built it and it was rebuilt in 1797. So the time period we're looking at, you know, the Revolutionary War ended in 1783. So this is the time we're looking, but he is considered really the earliest settler in Shadler Township. Hmm. Okay, fourth one. There are five altogether. Tom only had to answer four. <laughs> wow. I'll bring Tom back on to answer one. How's that? <laughs> can can we'll you get him on the line right now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only I could patch him through. Uh-huh. Okay, number four. In 1800, John Shaw Sr. built a log sawmill here which began the establishment of the center of this neighborhood. John Shaw Sr. Mm. Uh, Industry. No. Another mill. See, I did Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, Shaler. So, John Shaw Sr. built uh, that sawmill after he bought 600 acres of land. Uh, north of the city of Pittsburgh and he built it to prepare lumber for his home and he would go on to later build a log grist mill which stood until 1845 uh, when his son replaced it with a larger mill. The new mill stood on property across from the local school and the area became known as Shaw's Glen and later Glen Shaw. Oh, spoiler. Yeah, spoiler. So, uh, there it is. So, John Shaw. Good job. Uh, members of the Shaw family subsequently built a sickle factory and a coal mine. Hmm. Big names in that area. So, yes. Yeah, so, Glenshaw is considered, you know, the center of Shaler. Okay. Township, really. Well, there you yeah. go. There you go. Yeah, these are, it was interesting as I was compiling these, I was noticing like how many similarities between these two areas, right? As far as mill, the, the types of industries or, or mills and things that were being developed, Sure. you know, um, that I had never realized. We got one more. Oh, good. John Hart and company founded a steamboat yard here in 1836. I'm going back to industry because one of these other questions has to be industry. Hooray! Yay! Yay! It is true. So, talking a little bit about this. So, yes, Steamboat Yard, 1836. So, a little bit of of the history here of that time. So, for those traveling on the Western Rivers, okay, so we're talking, really, so the Pittsburgh area, um, as we know, very strategic area that many different groups wanted to control because of the Ohio River and how you could expand westward, south. You could pretty much go anywhere from the Ohio because of the bodies of water that it eventually connects to. And so, but travel at this time on these western rivers, so we're talking early 1800s, was actually really dangerous because, and I found this quote in one of the, an article from back in the early 1900s, uh, because Bands of lawless men infested the shores of these rivers, and piracy was not uncommon. I love that phrase, bands of lawless men infested the shores. So Would that be why the piracy Pittsburgh Pirates maybe get their name somewhere along the way? You know what? I ne- 
I know you might be right on that. I never heard that. Let's look that up. Because I otherwise would not have a reason to think why pirates would have made their way into the Pittsburgh sports um, canon. Right. That's a good call there. Mm-hmm. See, that might make up for one of your incorrect answers. No, it doesn't. No, no. it doesn't. Okay. But thank you, though, right. for trying. You're welcome. I'm no You're Tom. Welcome. But... Well, that's true. None of us are, Don. So, yeah, so talking about this, right, these bands of lawless men. So robberies, murders were very common as you were traveling, uh, either by land or water. Um, and also from this um, one article, they quote, uh, quoted as saying, the barges were manned chiefly by men of questionable character, uh, but also fugitives from justice, other outcasts from society. So that's who was, you know, in control of these barges, these, you know, boats. But the advent of the steamboat changed all of this. Travel was now faster and thus safer. Um, and then a better class of boatmen, so to speak, were uh, you know in demand now because of all of this. So this, the invention of the steamboat just changed so much about this time period in traveling westward. And actually, this change was so great that it was referred to as the steamboat revolution. Hmm. Yes. And Beaver County, including industry, of course, was noted for its involvement in this revolution. And between 1845 and 1867, John Hart and companies, uh, you know, they're the ones that founded that steamboat yard. Um, that operation would turn out seven really big boats <laughs> during that really time. Really big boats. <laughs> really big boats. That's, That's the, the official. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, and it was also during this time that Industry Township was officially founded with that name. And it was given that name largely because of, of course, all of the industry, but largely because of the steamboat building, also lumber and coal industries going on around that time. There was also a salt works and a rock quarry hmm. uh, and many small mills that were built. Wow. Well, you know who else owes a lot, uh, much to the steamboat? Disney Ooh. animation. You're right. Steamboat Willie. You're right, the, uh, first, Steamboat Willie. First animated pick from uh, Disney. Yes. Thank you for that. Sure. You know, it's nice to have you back. Is it? Well, I think I'm supposed to yeah. say that. Is that what you no, say? No, it's good to be back. Oh, and I will, it's great I will to mark have my calendar you. for week 16. <laughs> you know, it's every other. It's nice to have you stop sure. back. But listeners out there, if anybody else wants to play, please, please still get in touch with Tressa because I am yes. more than willing to share the responsibilities. I mean, the fun of taking part in Name That Neighborhood. Oh, you started off so well. <laughs> Devolved. Thank you, Dad. Welcome, Tressa. And that is going to do it for us here. Episode 14 of Yins Are Good. Can you believe it? Thank you again for listening in. And if this is your first time listening in, thank you. And head on back, check out some previous episodes, see what you think. A reminder, please keep sending us your stories. Let's keep sharing our thoughts, our gratitude with each other to keep us all going here. And a huge thank you again 
to all of our healthcare workers. I am your host, Tressa Glover. And until next time, be safe, be kind, be good. Special thanks to Angelina Walker, nurse.org, Don DiGiulio, and as always, for our fabulous artwork, Mike Rubino.